Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Star Wars Lads podcast. I'm Liam, and I'm joined today by Sonic. And before we started off, we want to address something real quick, and we wanted to mention that uh, our other Star Wars lad, Jared, is going to be taking a bit of a leave from the show. Uh, we don't have a timetable for if or when he will return, but he has a lot of things going on, and he's uh, very busy right now, so gonna be stepping away from the show but we look forward to having him back hopefully one day and um we appreciate you all still listening to the two of us uh, ramble on about star wars every week so we just wanted to let you all know that starting off the show right now but now we will be getting into the main topics which today will be focused on the new star wars comics that released in the high republic era they were released last Wednesday, and so we're going to start it off with High Republic number four. Sonic, what did you think of this episode? Yeah, I mean, I thought this issue was a little bit more standard, run-of-the-mill. Nothing that was, like, terribly unexpected. Um, obviously, you know, the Drengear are, like, the main focus that, of this line thus far. Um, we had obviously the opening issue kind of just be a setup for the main character of this whole series, Keeve Trennis, who, if you guys remember or have heard from our previous episode, is a name that is mentioned in Dooku Jedi Lost as one of the Jedi of the one of the Lost Twenty of the Jedi, which is a group of Jedi who are disillusioned or you know disconnected with the Jedi. Not necessarily became Sith, but left the order at some point and it was very interesting when the series was announced because she was lead and her name is Trennis and as far as we know there is not another force user named Trennis. So moving on from there, obviously there's a lot of other characters from just the whole High Republic line like Avar Chris. Um we also got Skier, her master, who's a Trandoshan. Um and I mean, I thought, I mean, besides it being like pretty predictable, I did like a lot of the things. Again, the art in this series is really good. Um, nothing sloppy at all. And I mean, it was nice to really get a connection with Into the Dark. Like we actually got to see uh, a lot of different things that were going on. Um, I might actually be confusing this issue with Adventures. I, uh, this was it, it. it was this okay that's good yeah, yeah. Uh, so like we got to see the statues that were holding down the drengear in the amaxine station we got to see reed silas we got to see a little bit more like visually what was going on um a little bit more confirmation that the sith were not only like you know connected to the drengear at one point but in this comic we know we kind of also find out that you know they fought besides each other or you know worked in unison for similar goals so that was that was pretty cool to see um i mean obviously skier is almost overwhelmed and then by the drinker and then you know keeve and avar are trying to talk her out of it um Sarek and Tarek are just not <laughs> in this issue like they are like i think one of the twins is there um, but they're not you know <laughs> They don't have any speaking lines. They don't have any action. Um, 
I mean, yeah, they obviously make their escape from the Drengir as here breaks free from that mind control of sorts. He's got this weird veiny arm thing, like, made from the vines and stuff of the Drengir, or, like, the plant-like things related to them. Um, interestingly, I don't think he's... I think he's going to be keeping the arm, it seems like it's being implied. Which, I, I mean... I, I feel like that's maybe not the smartest decision because the, these vines, you know, go through people's nostrils and control their brains and nervous system and everything. So, and him being a Trandoshan, missing an arm, but also having the ability to regenerate it, like, does that make sense for him to keep it? Or is it just some, like, weird penance thing that he's going to do? Who knows? Um, but, I mean, besides the escape part, it's I think the most interesting thing that happens from this whole issue was probably at the very end where we know like the guy who's like been leading this you know you know agricultural society here on this planet um you know this is the whole reason why these jedi are here um and why they're interacting with him is because the crops that were found on the sh you know the nile ship with the dead hut right it you know it drew them to this place the drengear was not why they were drawn here so for the for the huts to like suddenly appear with like some pretty sick like flying machines and Gamorians on like some skiffs or something, um, some stuff that looked like Java's sail and all, that was pretty interesting. I'm I'm still unsure, you know, what's going on with this crop, uh, why the huts are involved with it, why the Nile supposedly killed that one hut over it. Um, so that I mean that was a pretty interesting thing to come out of that, and then obviously that hut that was killed on the ship, the Jedi took it to Starlight Beacon, and now I guess a Drengear was planted or grew out of eating out that hut or something. I don't know. Um, so now the Starlight Beacon's under attack. Vernesta Rowe and her uh, Padawan uh, are who are also from. Uh, correct me, what, what was the name of the book that we read, Liam, with the two? Bernestra and... A Test of Courage. Test of Courage. Uh, em Emery is... Emery Cantoros, yeah, yeah. So they're both in this issue, which was nice. Again, it's it's great to see how well woven is uh, this whole High Republic initiative is. So, yeah, I mean, the two biggest things to get out of this is the huts have cool flying sail machines, and they've appeared in this big conflict and we don't know why they're obsessed with this crop and the drengir who have been featured as like the villain of the series are now on starlight beacon which is significantly more dangerous than possibly even the in the amexine station that we were at before in into the dark so all in all you know not a terrible issue predictable but had enough spice at the end that keeps me going yeah, I'm of a similar train of thought for this one. I think, as someone who reads a lot of comic books and superhero comic books, it went about as exactly it to formula as uh, most comics go on issue four as possible, where, like, if it's a six-issue book, we're, we're setting up some new problems and seeing what the overall plot might be about now we're getting some crystallized views of of where it might be going but we are resolving some early mysteries and 
skier yes it was kind of it was a little disappointing to have him just kind of be like i was under their control but i let myself be i submitted to it and let myself be controlled by the dren gear so that i could infiltrate and now i'm turning on them and and, and it's cool it's a cool moment i think it's cool it's just very traditional comic storytelling like it's it's a it's a traditional plot twist so it, it didn't catch me by surprise but i think it does add a level of cool factor to the skier character uh and like you were saying my biggest takeaway from this was we've had we've had connection before but this issue really it was a summarization of into the dark basically the at least the dren gears part of into the dark we got a whole page that basically summarized everything that happened with, with the Jedi and the Gear and Into the Dark. And then getting Vernestra Rowe and Emery Kentaros, that's, I believe, the first appearance by Emery in the comic. I know Vernestra, I can't remember if she was in another issue. But yes, it, it is very cool that we're getting that level of connectivity. And it appears that they'll at least have something to do in issue five because of the Drengear attack on the Starlight Beacon, they will be part of defending that. And so it is kind of cool that we can get books and then those books translated into images in comic form and we get to see those characters we've been imagining, we get to see them kind of crystallized on the page here. That's something that I really enjoy about this. And I hope I hope that this series, the High Republic series, because we're, I, I'm assuming it's ongoing and it's going to keep going throughout the whole, all the phases and just continue along with the stories. But it is um, a very cool way to coincide with the books as you, you know, you can still imagine what these people look like and what they do in your head when you're reading, but this will show you, you know, this is the author's images of them. This is what the story group envisioned them to be. So you can kind of carry that throughout as you read everything. Which for someone like me is is very helpful. Who's more of a visual uh, reader and learner. Um, and then on top of that, yeah, I really liked uh, what they did with the Hut Cartel in this. Uh, obviously, it was a cliffhanger, so we only get one one full page uh, <laughs> of them. But yeah, it showed some Gamorrean guards on Rancors. It was. Uh, Another another hut that looked like he's able to actually move and fight a little bit more than you know, what what most people are uh, accustomed to thinking of with huts with like Jabba. Um, we got Gracchus the hut in the original Jason Aaron Star Wars line, and he was very mobile and and went about and did things. You know, so there there are huts out there that don't just sit around and do nothing all day and laugh. Uh, so, so it will be cool to see what the hut's place is in the galaxy at this time. Um, I'm kind of hoping it's not just a name drop; that it's actually prevalent to the story and prevalent to the galaxy at the time. I believe they were mentioned in in Light of the Jedi a couple times, but no more than just in passing that they exist. And then, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it for my. My thoughts on this, I think it is going to be interesting to see what the Drengear do moving forward. Uh, as as we've kind of talked about since Into the Dark came out, the Drengear really are 
very fascinating villain for Star Wars, like a Force-sensitive plant that's able to mind-control people, is a very... It's a it's a very comic book thing. It's something that kind of belongs in comics, and it while it works in the book, I think it really you can really see it thrive here, especially with the way you can visually tell the story of Dringir and, and visually show how they move and interact with the world around them. So for me personally, I'm very excited to see what the Dringir do moving forward, and I'm. But I also am hoping that they are a recurring villain, that they're a villain that wasn't just set up to be in this in this story, but they kind of recur throughout the High Republic. And even though it feels like we've taken a bit of a step back with the Nile um, than, than we initially thought we were going to be getting, it, the Dringir are a nice uh, counterpiece to that, something that connects the Force, something that can provide that that mystical enemy that uh, the, the Nile can't. So, yes, I like this issue. I think if you've been enjoying this this comic so far, you're going to like this issue as well. So I recommend picking it up and reading it to keep up with it. It's not bad by any means. But similar to issue three, it is kind of a, another setup issue. It, it resolves a couple of smaller problems and sets up further problems for how we're going to end this whole story which I believe is six issues that confirm in the back of this issue that it is going to be six issues. And issue number six, according to the back of this book, doesn't come out till June 30th, which I believe is the same week the next High Republic book comes out. So they're trying, they're really kind of pushing uh, the timeline for these because they've been coming out first week of every month since January. And now the sixth one is going to be pushed a whole I believe a whole month and a half after the fifth one comes out. So anyway, if you're enjoying this run, this is another good issue. Not as great as the first couple, but I would definitely recommend picking it up if you are enjoying this series. Uh, but let's move on to High Republic Adventures number three. This is the Daniel Jose older book that's being released by IDW. Uh, what did you think, Sonic? Yeah, I mean, similar to how I felt about High Republic 4, I think High Republic Adventures number 3 was also a little bit of a setup episode, uh, issue, not necessarily anything groundbreaking or stellar to it. But, I, I mean, I will say, I mean, when you're reading an IDW comic, you're not expecting the same level of maturity or necessarily impact in star wars canon um i i mean idw is probably better known for you know star wars uh, uh clone wars battles and star wars adventures as, as their lines you know kind of more cartoonish drawing more simple storytelling just cool fun stories and not to say that there aren't interesting stories that don't come out of idw they, they definitely are um there's a lot of things that catch my eyes that i just haven't gotten around reading but as we've mentioned in previous episodes like if you're trying to get into canon all that marvel especially right as disney canon first started was really really big on storytelling and impact um and it's probably lessened to a degree now but there's still a different level of storytelling that you're going to get there. So even though 
High Republic 4 falls into a lot of the tropes and conventions that we've expected um, from, you know, any sort of superhero comic and all that. Um, it still is a bit of a tier above in IDW, just based on audience expectations and storylines and whatnot. But as like a refresher to people, I mean, High Republic Adventures basically follows Yoda and his little Padawan pack. Um, he doesn't sit on the council, I guess, during the High Republic era, at least not quite yet. Um, and, he, you know, they respond to the, the great disaster, which, interestingly enough, um, with some new information that's come from Star Wars, uh, it's now being called the Great Hyperspace Disaster instead of just the Great Disaster, which, I mean, it reminds me of, like, the Great Hyperspace War and stuff like that. Maybe they adapt that into something here with the High Republic era. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's an issue as a whole. Again, a little bit more trope-heavy, very conventional setup storyline. But um, unlike the little spice that we get at the end of High Republic 4, I thought there were some like pretty juicy tidbits. Juicy, not necessarily from the two main storylines, but like the little things that happen in between. Um, obviously, the main storyline is Crix goes with the Nile, and is it Zine or what's the girl's name? Yes, Zine. Zine, yeah. So she's with the Jedi Padawans, and they're back on Starlight. Um, and, you know, the story kind of jumps back and forth. Um, Yoda has given them both, like, hollow projectors. Um, and, you know, that's how they kind of communicate through messages, not necessarily, like, through holograms, like, as you see in Star Wars films, where, like, they talk to each other live. It's just more like, oh, leave a message, I'll get back to you sort of thing. Um, so that their storyline is really just, like, you know, two foils, kind of seeing how one is responding to the other. Obviously, Crix is still feeling betrayed that, like, you know, Zine has been hiding, that she's able to use the Force, and now that she's with the Jedi, like, oh, this is happening, and, like, he's with denial. Um, and, I mean, again, it could be because of their sect that they're part of, it could be because of, like, the traditions of the Elders have instilled in them, but he comes from a very fearful society, um, and I guess it makes sense why, you know, his friend joining the Jedi, using the Force, scares him and makes him realize he doesn't really know her, but... You know, we see from her perspective, like, she's never felt more alive. Zine is like, well, you know, it's flowing through me. I'm not stopping this. It's like there's a whole new element of being who I am, which I think is pretty interesting, you know, sort of parallel to, like, a lot of societal and norms and issues that we face, like people who come out in the LGBTQ plus community, how they feel more authentically themselves, or people who find you know, better relationship with their religious or cultural backgrounds or, you know, just find a better space for being who they are. I think that's a big thing that Star Wars has always done. It's been diverse and, like, showcasing how people's differences can tear them apart, but, you know, embracing, you know, the things that truly feel important or proper to us really elevates us as people. Um and I thought that was a pretty strong message to have as something in, like, an IDW comic. Um, and it's, it's, it's a nice comic to just visually read. It's, 
got some heavy line work, a little bit more scratchy, a little bit more like uh, you know, pencil like in its detailing, but the coloring is really great. You know, there's a little bit of like a richness, a little bit of more of like a lived in feeling that I enjoy about the whole um comic line so far. Uh, I I really did enjoy some of the visual things that you know, seem to be callbacks to other things in canon. Um, with the Nile, obviously, Martian Row, and uh, it's kind of like trying to like convince this kid, like, okay, well, we have to get some information from the elder, and he's not giving it to us. And the elder's like, well, it's very important to us. That's why we don't give it away. It's only people who are part of our like private sorts can know. Um, and you know, because he's not revealing that information. He sends them to like the pits or something, and in the pit, I don't know if they're on a ship or not. Still, it seems like they are, but on this on the ship, like it's a big like. It, it reminds me of on Jedi Fallen Order when you get captured by like the bounty hunters and stuff. The first time they send you to that little pit where you're fighting monsters and other bounty hunters. It's like a battle arena, like a gladiator place, and here they're riding these like weird like creatures that had like acid coming out of their mountain stuff one person had to hold a rope and guide them around but to also avoid like getting chemically burnt by it and then someone had to ride the top and like joust the other opponents so that visually looked like something from that fallen order sequence so i thought that was pretty cool um another thing that i found pretty interesting uh, a lot of the masters along with yoda were mentioning like Zine is too old to start her training. I, I mean, I, I've been under the impression that with how the High Republic is like the time of great prosperity and the Jedi are truly at their peak um, before their, you know, eventual decline, that, you know, issues like this wouldn't necessarily be a big thing. It, I mean, from their conversation, obviously being that it's in a comic book panel, it's not going to be so clear to see what their emotional reaction is but the way it's been written so far it is a concern for them which i found surprising doesn't seem like it's enough to like stop them because then it kind of gets into this cutesy moment where they're like well one of the padawans lula is like well you should ask her and the rest of the padawans join and they're like and her friends which is nice i like seeing cute little kid creature alien designs and humans and all these different species of Jedi uh, all together and being supportive. So that was nice. Um, we did get a juicy tidbit story wise. Uh, I guess that little transponder thing that Yoda gave to both Crix and Zine. It, it's interesting because when Yoda gave it, it's like, you know what, this is a tool for you, Zine, to use to one day when your friend reaches out to help direct him, set him on the right path. Whereas Martian is like, well, there's a transponder on this thing. You know, this is how they're tracking us. Who set this? And Crix immediately blames the Elder. And it's like, wow, this kid was almost entrusted with, like, the secret location of this artifact um, of their, like, little sect. And immediately after, he's like, nope. You know what? I'm going to betray your trust and <laughs> let you die because I don't want to die. I mean, I don't blame him. He is a kid. But it was, it was pretty funny. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting how, you know, taking something that, it, it really is an, a, an issue where you're like, okay, this is the good, this is the bad. 
here are the things that are similar. Let's see how they these characters that are, you know, slowly being spread further and further apart. What are their influences and what is influencing their thinking greatly? Which I think is where this whole issue is built and you know centered around. And it was pretty solid in that sense. Um, interestingly enough, I mean the transponder thing. I think is more of a trick by Martian because you know they can't actually locate the Nile just anywhere. Um, the Jedi, as they mention, is like, yeah, if we get close to a system, that's when we'll know, like, okay, we'll start to pick up a signal. So it's not like just like a instant, I know where you are. It's not like how in The Last Jedi, you know, they have like a little bit of like a transponder device that Ray and uh, Leia both have. And even that doesn't have like the exact location of anything. Um, so that that was interesting, and uh, Mar- how Martian kind of says like, okay, like this is he put us in a trap and all that. But you know what? We'll spin it, and if they come near us, we'll put us in. We'll draw them to a location and spring the trap. So it's obviously being built up now into like these characters are going to all collide once more. The Nile, this Jedi Padawan pack, Obi, uh, not Obi Wan, sorry, Yoda. Lulu, Zine, Crix, Martian Road, the Nile, Tempest Runners, and all that, those characters. So, yeah, I mean, it was an interesting setup. Um, you know, I think it's interesting how Zine says she doesn't know if she wants to help out the Jedi, lead her to the Nile and her friend. Whereas um, Crix does the classic, you know, I'll try. Obviously, if Yoda was there, he would be like, well, do or do not, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think overall I enjoyed High Republic 4 more for, you know, progressing further and giving us a little bit of a juicy tidbit in its story itself by introducing the Hut cartel uh, into the story here and the fact that it's been hinted um, that uh, their influence in the Outer Rim in this era is a lot more expansive. Um, but, you know, this is an IDW story. Again, it is not going to be as mature or important to canon but there are some interesting things and the fact that the nile are part of this storyline instead of the main marvel one you know it gives me hope that once they do clash again we're going to get some pretty big stuff that will i guess lead us into the second part of the first phase of high republic Yeah, for me, this issue was kind of basic. Uh, story is not it's not bad, as you said. There are some really good themes for kids, and it uh, does get a little bit further into the meat of what the overall story will be when this arc finishes. But it, it is a setup issue, so there's a there was a surprisingly large amount of text I felt like in this issue, which I found kind of odd because the IDW books are a little bit more aimed towards children than the Marvel books. But regardless, uh, the story was the story was good, but mostly set up. I thought it does still have a, a a sense of humor that is unique to it that the Marvel book doesn't have, and really most of the High Republic books have not had this sense of humor in there although you know claudia gray did have some funny stuff with like yod and and uh 
that type of stuff in and in into the dark. Yeah, and like, I mean, Reed, Reed Silas as a character is just very nervous. It's just mm-hmm. he's like, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. Right, and so there was there was some funny stuff throughout, but but the High Republic Adventures line has been consistently good natured in its sense of humor, where it's not it's not a comedy, right? It's not flat out trying to make jokes, but it is like a kind of a heartwarming, good natured, funny moments, you know, here and there. Uh, one of one in particular was when all the Jedi Masters come to visit Zine in this issue and and yoda says he brought pastries for everybody to share uh (laughs) it's something that you know it's it might not seem like yoda to some people but it is a funny you know funny little comment there uh other than that that's the most i can really say about this one one thing i did find interesting was the inclusion of avar chris in this issue because she has not been in the other two and so I'm not sure, I don't know if you know this, but I'm not sure when this takes place. If, does it take place after the High Republic main series, or does it take place before? I would assume after, because the High Republic main series is so tied to the books. But she, yeah, she's in this, and she's back on Coruscant with the rest of uh, the Jedi Masters. So I thought that was an interesting little nugget. But other than that, I don't have too much more to add. Uh, it's like I said with the last one. If if you're enjoying this series, pick it up. It's another good issue. But if you are someone who's waiting for the the trade paperback or something to read it all at once, I wouldn't say this is like a a must read. You have to get out there right now and read it for fear of spoilers or something because not much happens yet in, in yeah, either of these I mean, stories. Not much happens, but that doesn't mean that. These stories aren't great. They're just more conventional comic book setups than, you know, Star Wars story setups, which, you know, that might not be your cup of tea, but it's also just, you know, that's just how it is. Um, Interestingly, actually just checking quickly right now, um, this takes place, uh, High Republic Adventures 3 takes place before Tests of Courage and High Republic 1 and all that stuff, so... Oh, before Light of the Jedi too. Yeah, I mean it. No, it it takes. Okay, I mean, it has to be out after Light of the Jedi. Yeah, it's after Light of the Jedi, obviously, because it's a great disaster. Or I guess, yeah, the great disaster happens. Um, Into the Dark occurs concurrently, um, and then High Republic Adventures One. I mean, it it does start off with you know them trying to go to a planet that's being devastated almost by you know uh, all these shit pieces crashing into their planet out of hyperspace and high That's republic one takes place concurrently with light of the jedi but i guess two kind of takes place a little bit after okay so the issues are crisscrossing it is interesting because avar chris is on mission with skier and keeve and all of them in the high republic line it's interesting that she's back on coruscant in this i'm sure it's not an oversight or anything because yeah it's very well planned out so it it just seems tight for us because we don't know uh how much crossover like characters like from the high republic adventures will have in books or the main marvel line but and these issues came out on the same day and they came out on the same day exactly so it feels like it's all muddled a bit 
Right. Well, yeah, that that was something I thought was interesting. That was the main main thing I could pull out of this. Obviously, there's the, the parallels where Zine's becoming more of a Jedi, Crix is becoming more of a Nile. They are going to probably have an idealistic conflict, and one of them is going to have to help each other out. I'm not going to speculate and, because I don't want to spoil the story if it does come to be the way I think it's going to be. But yes, it, it is a, a relatively straightforward story, but I think it's definitely, as with all the other High Republic stories that have come out, it's definitely a story worth reading. It just depends on whether you are someone who likes to read issue by issue with comics or you like to pick up the trade paperback or wait a year and a half for the hardcover. You know, it depends on your the way you like to read it. But I would say the High Republic stories as a whole for the comics are definitely worth reading in some form at some point. And if they come out in paperback by August or so and you can catch up with them by then, that's the way you should do it if you missed out on the issues. I know the issues have been selling out fast because I I still didn't get my first uh, High Republic number one. I got I have all the other ones, but I was not able to get a High Republic number one. I went to like three different comic book stores. Nobody had it. It sold out immediately. So if you can't find the issues and you don't like reading digitally, don't worry. Read the trade when it comes out. But definitely check these stories out. But moving on, we have some news to discuss. We yeah, are, yeah. yeah. Do you want to go into that? Yeah. Um. I mean, just building off of this whole High Republic episode that we've got so far, um, we've gotten some new details on the next big wave of stories coming from the High Republic. Obviously, we're still in Phase One, and with how the COVID pandemic has, you know, shaped everything from movie releases to travel destinations and flights and all that. Like it, it was expected that the High Republic was also going to be delayed, and it was. Um, and interestingly, they haven't delayed things part by part. They just moved everything into starting in January, uh, twenty twenty one, as opposed to starting in like August twenty twenty. Um, so these stories that you know, were just announced or given more details for, for things that we would have been, you know, probably starting to experience now. Obviously, uh, we instead only experienced the very beginning, and now we're moving into what's next. Um, so, according to the official Star Wars website, you know, there's going to be more stuff from the High Republic. High Republic number six comes out June 2nd, um, deals with the Grengear, um, deals with Starlight Beacon. Um, has some interesting things, some tidbit about someone who is or someone who or what is the great, great progenitor. Um, there's some, there go to some lava world. That's these are things that we don't know quite yet from the main line, so it's not really a spoiler quite yet. Um, insiders, Star Wars insiders, still doing the stories. Uh, if you guys have heard from our previous episode, we did one um for the very beginning one uh if we do get hands on some other issues of the insider or if we're having a little bit of a down week maybe we'll try to give you guys a little bit more details there uh, then you know after all that's come out so far i think it's pretty fair to say that 
High Republic is very much a book-based initiative that is like the big core structure. So we get our first next big book in The Rising Storm. Um, and this is where, when I mention it's being called The Great Disaster, it's not being called The Great Hyperspace Disaster. This comes from the, like, the press release article from StarWars.com. Uh, um, and essentially, the logline bio of this is that, you know, the great disaster, hyperspace disaster was mostly averted. Republic, Republic country needs to grow under Chancellor Lena So. And now she's got these plans for this thing called the Big Republic Fair, which is a showcase of old, like the possibility of the piece of the expanding Republic that the Jedi are also hoping to play a part in. So Stellan Geos, Belzetafar, Eldar Man, all characters that we know from Light of the Jedi are here. They're popping up. Stellan, we've only heard slightly about. So I believe Stellan was Vernestra Rosemaster, correct? Uh, I am not sure. I don't remember. Let me look at that. Yeah. So I'm assuming she he was. Um, so this is our first time really getting another, getting another character. Um, I guess the Nile attack, this big fair, um, to Martian Rose intent on destroying the spirit of unity. And the final tease in the sentence describing the book is that as the Jedi are struggling to curb the carnage of the rampaging Nile, they come face to face with the true fear their enemies plan to unleash across the galaxy. The kind of fear that even the force cannot shield them from, which is very, very interesting. Um. I mean, the cover has Stellan Geos, Belzetafar, and what I believe is, if, I, if I'm correct about this, uh, huh, I'm not quite sure who that is. It looks like it's someone from the cover of the previously announced graphic novel that Caven Scott is doing. I don't know her name, um, but she's on there facing down the Nile as well. And then on June 29th, we get Race to Crash Point Tower. This is a middle grade novel um, from Daniel Jose. The previous novel was an adult novel from Kevin Scott. Um, and on here at the cover, it's Ram Jamoram. And what looks like maybe Lulu uh, from High Republic Adventures on flying on a droid called V18. Um, they're obviously at the Republic Fair. Um, when the security alarm goes off at a hilltop called Crash Point Peak, and the name of this book is Race to Crash Point Tower, um, and it takes place on the planet Balo. You know, it's a sign of dangers to come to the Republic Fair, and he's on the racing towards helping and warning the Jedi what's going on when the Nile unleashed their surprise attack, and you know he's supposed to face them down at this tower and send a call uh, for help. To the Republic, think kind of how in Clone Wars rookies, where the clones had to send the warning beacon from Rishi base, sort of like that, but you know, more Jedi shenanigans and unexpected new friends and characters. Um, followed by that is on July 7th, High Republic Adventures number six, again from Daniel Jose Older. Um, and this is the beginning of the new story arc. Uh, and this is interesting because now we're going to be following the two characters, Court and Farzala, the characters that have like a skull on their face and the other with like the long hair beard um character um and they're joining leox yassi 
who obviously is our Matthew McConaughey stand-in with Geode um, flying the vessel. Um, so we're going to see... I'm, I'm blanking on her name. Wow, what is her, what is her name? Uh, who is the navigator on the vessel? I, I feel terrible not knowing her name. Uh, from which From Into the Dark? Yes, Into the Dark. The female character. Yeah. God, I, I don't know. Let me look. Yeah, yeah, let me let me let me do a quick check. Uh we let's um let's oh Afi Hollow, uh who's oh, the navigator yes. along with Leox Gyasi and you know everyone's favorite rock Geode. Uh so I guess that's gonna be our first Best time character. getting a getting the visual look at Geode other than a little higher uh, high republic video that was on star wars youtube um so this is going to be our first real look at them in a comic form which should be pretty interesting i mean we discussed before how the art that was released for martian row is very different than the martian row that we see in uh, high republic adventures so i don't know which is more canon than the other necessarily but you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting, anyways, to see these characters that we thought could have been done in Into the Dark return. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, and they're on a secret mission for the Jedi, so that should be interesting. It should also help us flesh out more of the Padawan that caravan that Yoda is running. Uh, so that, that that's pretty interesting. Um, then the next thing that comes out is on July twenty second. It is a young adult novel called Out of the Shadows from Justina Ireland. Uh, who wrote Test of Courage, and it follows a character named Sylvester Yarrow. You know, she's been trying to keep her family cargo business alive um, after her mother's death, but, you know, financial struggles and Nile attacks on suspecting unsuspecting ships, you know, are putting her in a pretty precarious situation. And I guess she suddenly falls in between a squabble of two of the Republic's most powerful families or a patch of space, but Despite being tangled up in all this, uh, the promise of a big payoff is what keeps her interested in, I guess, part of the story. And in the story, we get Vernestra Rowe, uh, who is summoned to Coruscant, um, and she doesn't know who or who, who summoned her or why. And Imri also goes along with her, uh, along with Jedi Master Comac Vitus and Reed Silas, who are you know characters, main characters from Into the Dark. So, test occurs Into the Dark getting all interwoven here um and they're asked to help deal with this property dispute that this new character sylvester yarrow is part of apparently this book will lead vernestra to a new understanding of her abilities take sylvester back to the past and a lot of truths will finally come out of the shadows um so it looks like it's out of the shadows and it will be a pretty important book kind of more in the vein of into the dark you know a side story that is important but not necessarily the big 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 story whereas uh the rising storm from Kevin scott seems to be like a really big story because it is martian row returning to the fray you know the second big attack by the nile um and then after that we've got Kevin scott once again doing an audio novel this guy's involved in everything i don't know how he has time to do this it comes out on august 31st and it deals with Lorna D, who we've introduced to in Into the Dark, is one of the Tempest Runners um, of the Nile. 
And it's just kind of, you know, dealing with how she carves her place out at the top and how she deals with threats from the Jedi and her fellow Nile. Then this is the next big thing, The Edge of Balance from Viz Media. And it is by Justina Ireland and Shima Shinya. I hope I'm saying that right. And art, the artist is Mizuki Sakakibara. I, again, I apologize if I have not said that properly. Um, this is our first first manga, um, which is really exciting. Uh, I don't think we've had manga adaptations of like, you know, uh, A New Hope and other Star Wars books and stuff. Uh, I think uh, Tarkin or something got an adaptation or some junior novels also got some adaptations. Lost Stars did. Lost Stars did. I think Princess uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan also might have gotten a manga ad- adaptation or something. So that's pretty cool, but this is the first original manga for Star Wars, which I mean is pretty awesome. It's a great way to get more people to you know, try out manga, which is awesome. I mean, we are we are around. It's coming out on September seventh, which is a rumored around the time when uh, Star Wars Visions, which is a collect uh, like an anthology f- series of different anime shorts and films, is coming out to Disney Plus. So that's that's great timing. That'd be pretty awesome to get people into manga and anime that way. Um, but again, this takes place after the great hyperspace disaster where young Jedi Knight Lily Torasi, or Asai, I'm not sure how to say it, that, um, is assigned to help displace civilians for relocate to Banshi, a planet in the Inug system far in the Outer Rim. Um, while she's helping the settlers and teaching Padawans on the Temple Outpost, She's got to deal with an attack by the Drengir um, after the events of the Republic Fair, which I guess maybe the Drengir are now also confirmed to be part of this attack. Maybe we see the Nile and the Drengir work together. So that's, that'll be a pretty interesting angle to see. Um, but I guess there's also dangers that Lily and her Padawans are much closer to than she even thinks. Uh, so maybe they have a direct attack by the Nile or something as well, or something else. Um, and after that, we have Showdown at the Fair. It's an 8 by 8 storybook, which is following Buryaga the Wookiee. It pretty much seems like an adaptation of maybe, uh, possibly, uh, uh, Race to Crash Point Tower and you know, the events of the Rising Storm. You know, this is like a very much a picture book following Buryaga, who, as we all know, is a Wookiee. We can't speak basic or English as we know it. So it's a more just like his perspective. And that comes out October 5th. And that pretty much is all the news that we uh, have confirmed Star Wars, the High Republic releases. There are some graphic novels, I think, that Kevin Scott is doing and some other things that have been announced. Um, I guess they're not happening until after October perhaps not even until 2022 but yeah i mean we've got a full slate of high republic i know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are really in it for that big juicy information that comes out of this era um and the comics while they're fun don't necessarily do as much heavy lifting so in the next few months guys this will be this will be a a lot more high republic era stuff to get back into so if you've been holding off uh, i guess around june you'll be inundated with a lot of high republic stuff so look forward to that yeah thanks for running that down there were 
few things I wanted to add. Um, a Rising Storm, I believe, is coming out the same day it was always meant to. So that's cool that they're actually sticking to that timeline and race to Crash Point Tower. We, we ran down these dates a long time ago. So if for some reason you were listening to an old episode of ours, and then you're listening to this one now, and you're like, why did you have the wrong dates? Well, they've changed. Uh, but now Race to Crash Point Tower, I think, has been moved up two weeks to the same day as Rising Storm, as you said. So before, I think it was way back in mid-July. So that is nice. And then everything else is the same. And as I said earlier, I want to make a correction to what I said earlier. Because, yes, as you said with this with this article, June 2nd is High Republic number 6, but the back of the issue number 4 says June 30th. So they've obviously changed that within <laughs> uh, about less than a week. So those are some things I wanted to add on. And then you were talking about, on the cover of The Rising Storm, the uh, Philothian Jedi... That's correct. That was yeah. on there. Yes, I I think that's in Indira Stokes, who is also mm. in Light of the Jedi with Bell and um, Odin uh, when they were chasing down everybody else. But I'm not sure because I think the only other picture we have of her, she has a different color lightsaber, but we don't really have a good picture of her, so that it might change. But just because Rising Storm is the follow up to Light of the Jedi, that's who I I would assume that is since it's a character we've already met, but it very well could be a new character. Let me check that, because I think I don't want to immediately say you're wrong, but I think it actually might not be the same character, because the graphic novel that is supposed to come out from Kevin Scott, uh, The Monster of Temple Peak, uh, yeah, I know, Indira's jokes doesn't, because this, this character has like this like claw-like lightsaber, like, and I don't think Indira has it, and it's purple, and I think Indira's was like, they are similar species, it looks like, but I'm not sure it's actually Indira. But if it is, I mean, you might you might be wrong, right there. I might be wrong, but yeah, it could be. I I was just throwing out that out there to speculate since we don't, yeah. it doesn't list who that is in this this description. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it could be a Stasali Adigalia thing. Exactly, right? Like, characters that canonically are different, but in the real world, we know. Fun fact, uh, they were supposed to be the same character, they just couldn't get the same actress, so they're like, well, we'll do another of the same species. We'll make a new character and make a new action figure as well. Exactly. Classic Star Wars merchandising. There we go. Perfect. So that is it for High Republic News. Uh, we have a short amount of time left. Should we talk about Star Wars Detours, the rumor of the Star Wars Detours? Yeah, uh, I mean, I can I can fill that in. Uh, it's really not too much, uh, you know, to say about it. If you don't know what Star Wars Detours is, it was this little animated series that was created by Seth Green, who does Robot Chicken, or I don't know if it's still happening anymore, but has done robot chicken um on adult swim and all and the vulcan reporter has reported that yeah you know this disney is planning to finally release the solo series which is around 52 completed episodes that were done um a while back this was announced by george lucas back in 2012 it's not part of canon obviously but 
as we've seen, Disney Plus now does like Star Wars Vintage as a series. So Ewoks, droids that's eventually coming out, the Ewok films, 2003 Clone Wars and stuff. Um, the show is basically just a very cartoonish in between a robot chicken and um, what, what, what were you comparing it to, Liam? Uh, it was between. I robot- said it was the middle road between like Lego Star Wars and Robot Chicken. Right, right. So it's it's a very silly thing. It's about like how the universe is regular folks deal with everyday problems, but obviously there are the classic Star Wars characters like Amon Best comes back as Jar Jar Binks. Anthony Daniel, C-3PO, Billy Diaz, Lando, and then Seth Green voices Kenobi, Captain Tabar uh, voices Leia once more, um, Andy Richter as Zuckus, Beard Al Yankovic as Forlom, Abraham Van Ruby as Darth Vader, and Seth McFarlane as Palpatine. Um, I mean, you guys might have actually seen um, you know, some things uh, related to Detours. There was a leaked episode a while back. Um, and there was rumors that the show was canceled, but then all of a sudden we got a full episode out there, which was pretty surprising. Um, and then there's that huge meme that's been going around throughout the whole Star Wars community of like, yo, dude, come to the Empire, it's chill. And it's just like Vader kind of like throwing down, kind of like doing a bunch of poses and explaining why like the Empire is just a cool and chill place to be. And it's very comedic, very silly. Um become a bit of a viral thing so I, I guess maybe that's some viral marketing that they were doing or maybe Seth Green really just wanted to get this out there or something but yeah I mean don't expect it to be like a continued on series but there is rumors that it's gonna drop all 52 episodes after being in Star Wars Purgatory for so long after the Disney acquisition it might drop on May 4th when we get Bad Batch so if you're not looking forward to Bad Batch or you're done and watch through the whole vintage series or something detours might be something you should pick up yeah very cool for myself personally i wouldn't mind if they dropped it in the vintage collection just to check it out and see what it's about but i'm also not as big into this type of stuff especially the robot chicken stuff is very funny uh, and i do enjoy watching it as a as a parody, but I, I'm not sure how a full blown Lucasfilm produced Star Wars parody actually would be. But you know, let's I, I'd be interested in it because it exists. So you might as we might as well get to see it. It's Star Wars content, and I mean, if you're a completionist like us, you're gonna watch it. Exactly. Well. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Star Wars Lads podcast. Thank you guys, as always, so much for listening to us every week. If you're listening to this on podcast platforms, hopefully it's on Tuesday, because every Tuesday afternoon, our new episode drops on all your podcast platforms. That's Anchor, Podcast, Spotify, etc. Please check it out on podcast platforms on Tuesdays if you're an audio listener. If you're more of a visual person, you want to see the graphics, you want to see the uh, follow along with the podcast with what we're talking about our youtube posts every wednesday morning at 10 a.m you can see the new episode there you can listen to it or follow along with the graphics we will have things as we talked about with these comics this week we have ish, uh, images from the comics so if you're an audio listener and you say well i want to see what the comics look like 
it's up on the YouTube. So check us out there. If you're watching on YouTube right now, please like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends. We're really trying to grow. So as many people as you can share this with as possible would be awesome. We appreciate all of your support every single week. If you want to keep up with the Star Wars Lads podcast, check out our Instagram for news, schedule updates, memes, and more Star Wars content. It's at Star Wars Lads podcast. No, scratch that. At Star Wars Lads on Instagram. Check it out there. Send us a DM if you have a suggestion for something for us to do. Comment on one of our posts. Let us know what your thoughts are on the podcast. You can also email us, starwarsladspodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know what you think about what we're doing. If you have an interesting topic for a show, let us know. We'd love to do what you guys want us to do. But that is it for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. See you all next week.